what's going on podcasting world welcome back to another episode of the core console rx podcast me and cole are joined by our long lost buddy dr patrick key hello patrick what's oh, going on man <laughs> hello it's good to be here thanks for having me well you messed up the first thing i messed up the you first said hello thing. and I you said, didn't you said like a weirdo is this your uh, uh, is this your second appearance were you here last year i was here last year with um as a student. Yeah, with uh, Dr. Philip Hall, and we talked about cancer. Oh, oh that's right. I wasn't here. That's why. <laughs> that's, that's why right. It, we didn't invite Cole that one. It wasn't sounding yeah. familiar. I, I'm not smart enough to talk about yeah, we were uh, like, oncology. Oh, I'm not either. Yeah. But I was still here. I remember that we actually diverged into what uh, slideshows were like before PowerPoint. We did. That? We did. Yeah. That, was, and a that good, was a great conversation. It was. It was. It was. Uh, Sounds like that was a great episode. It actually was. When it Cole's was. not here. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I feel like all the best episodes happen when <laughs> Cole's not here for some reason. Isn't that weird? It's yeah. weird. I can it's track crazy. the numbers. I think Cole's uh, like, first of all, I give the people what they want. All right. <laughs> Got to give the internet what they want. So, uh, Patrick, what are you doing nowadays? Um, I'm currently PGY1 at the VA. Sweet. Thank you. How's that going? It's going really well. I'm happy to be there serving veterans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and like weirdly enough, I mean that like really genuinely. I was going to say, is this yeah. Miss America pageant? <laughs> no, it's like, um, it's cool. We, during your training, you actually have to like swear an oath to always like uphold and respect um, your unique pa- patient population. And then mm. they say like, welcome aboard. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> whoa, I'm glad to be here. It's good. I had a rotation of the VA and I don't, I don't remember swearing any oaths. No, you don't. <laughs> I would have if I needed to, but no, right. I didn't. That's so a good point. No. I feel like I wasn't as committed yeah, no, you know, it's, I think it's just because I'm an employee. Oh. Uh, yeah, I get paid now. <laughs> yeah, the, that's cool. The doctor gives you a paycheck, no matter you know. It's not like no matter working at Publix, but no matter like you know. what you do, like if you don't work, they give you paychecks. Is that what you're saying? Well, we can make terrible we recommendations. Sure, we get 13 days off a year, just like without federal holidays, so it's pretty good. You get like, you and then every get, federal holiday. Yeah. Oh really? Oh yeah. Oh, I guess because they're closed. That's cool. They That's a closed. sweet residency. It is. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to so. do anything. Basically, well, I'll slow down. When I had a rotation at the Easiest base, time I've ever heard. We got Columbus Day off, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Is, that a, is that a federal holiday? I it guess. Is. So yeah. you get that day off too. Yeah, Memorial wow. Day, Columbus Day, Veterans Day is coming up. Taking that off for sure. What yeah. about Victory Over Japan Day? Okay, <laughs> I'm not sure. Don't know if that's a day. Uh, it's definitely a day. I just don't know if it's a considered a holiday. <laughs> okay. No, no we, it's it's a day. Trust me. Oh, geez. Oh, so, Patrick, geez. what's your plans now that you're a big resident and living that big life? Well, you know, the, um, at least at RVA, the, or I think at most, the plan is you do your first year is really general. Um, and that's kind of where I am now, where you sample a lot of different things. You do, like, internal medicine. You do uh, infectious disease, AMCARE. Uh, you name it. Like we even have like an oncology rotation and a pain rotation. Um, but my plan in the future is I'm hoping to shoot for a PGY2 in psych next year um, and then pursue a specialist position in psych and we'll see where that goes. That's convenient considering what we're talking about today. Isn't that weird? That is yeah. weird. <laughs> Another weird coincidence. It's almost like Perfect we got you on here on purpose. <laughs> it is almost like that. Weird. So yeah. Um, so what, what, I mean, is there anything that like, I don't know, led you to residency or encouraged, you know, just encouraged you to kind oh, of be no. a resident, anything like that at all you can yeah, think of? I think it was my own drive. If I have to hmm. name any one thing or person, that it would be me, me and my drive. Uh, I, well, last year, I know that when I was on rotation with Mike, I, I remember hmm. I was a little, I was doubting myself because I wanted to be the most prudent, uh, you know, professional that I could be. Oh, and 
And then Mike said, why would you let someone else have what belongs to you? Boom. Is <laughs> that the quote? Is that the it, quote you it, gave, Mike? It really I, mo- motivated me, what honestly. What book did you get that from? I don't know. What book I, did you get it from? I think I just made it up. Oh, okay. But the, uh, okay. You should be the one writing the books. We're moving on really fast from... I definitely <laughs> can't write. I would never write a motivational book, that's for sure. <laughs> Mine would... It would sell three copies because it would just be psycho talk. You say, you can do it, you can do it. Why aren't you doing it yet? Yeah. End of the book. I'm pretty sure, actually, that I threatened you with violence, if I remember correctly. <laughs> well, I didn't want to bring that up on your podcast, oh, I don't but care. you it's did fine. say this is my podcast. I'll I, do whatever I want. <laughs> so you said we, I was going to Australia for a month, right. um, which is a rotation I would always plug. Um, it was a great experience. But you said if if you get back from Australia and I find out that you didn't apply to residency, I'm going to come to your house and strangle you. And, Ooh, and I said, Oh, how do you know where I live? And he said, Believe it or not, <laughs> the College of Pharmacy has records. So. <laughs> I will find out. We so will find out. The moral of the story is moral of the story. Sometimes you have to threaten students with you know Re- strangling mm. okay, yeah, strangulation. <laughs> that way they fulfill their dreams. As a CYA, this is, Mike does do this to most everybody. So he's he's uh, um, okay. He it's not like he was he was. Uh, just you know, singling, singling you out for strangulation. I, I guess yeah. I appreciate. I've been threatened that. with violence. Nice. The dogs are threatened with violence. Everybody's okay. been Whoa. threatened. With violence. So it's <laughs> you know, morally, it's a it's a normal thing. Yeah. Well, I think if there was a lesson, it would be you know, motivate yourself, follow your own drive. Sure. And yeah, then if worst right. case scenario, your preceptor may or not <laughs> right. may have to step in. <laughs> Intervention is always an option, right? No, yeah, I'm glad you're uh, glad you're going this way because I think uh, think you're gonna enjoy psych for sure yeah we'll see but i enjoyed my we had one rotation so far and it went super well we had this like half outpatient half inpatient and at the you know the va it's like you know like what's the most common chronic condition is like ptsd um and it's actually less kind of uniform and monotone than i expected it to be it was a pretty cool experience Hmm. pretty much different for everybody yeah that, that would be fascinating Sad and fascinating. Sad and but, va- yeah. that's a good but, way to but, put it, actually. But, it's, but as far as just from a clinical standpoint, yes. Yeah. Very, very interesting disease state. For sure. Yeah. That's cool. So speaking of psych, like Cole said, segue, mm-hmm. what are we talking about today? I think psych. We are, yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> really good. Cool. Done. Speaking of psych, we're talking that's about That's all I got. Uh, we're also talking about antipsychotics. Yes. Ah, there it is. Right. Drugs. So I don't think we've covered this. Cole says we haven't. So I'm gonna go ahead and trust. Okay, as far as long as, as, long as we're putting my name out there, yeah. we did do bipolar, right? Uh, episode okay. twelve. That's so close. We've talked about some psych meds, but no, we have not done an antipsychotic overview. Cool. Okay. All right. Yes. So there it is. That's glad that we got that off on the table now. I just yeah, <laughs> got it off your chest. Yep. That's what you were gonna say. <laughs> so we're gonna. Uh, is I think we're going to basically start off, we're going to talk some about schizophrenia because that's, you know, one of the main focuses, I guess, of, of uh, our, our antipsychotics that are mainly used in schizophrenia along with other uh, disorders as well. Um, but we're not really going to dive into like augmenting them for like general depression and things like that. We're going to try to stick to some of the schizophrenia stuff and then we'll talk about uh, some, the basic pharmacology and mm-hmm. then we'll go through um, this proposed algorithm if you will um so you don't want to talk about vast d sure we can talk about vast d no. so well, we can add, don't have to talk about vast d adding aeroprepazole and bupropion don't no, try to no. school well, me is that all that's all they added listen oh interesting no one's impressed it's a pretty <laughs> small trial <laughs> okay you know what I, i'm just gonna plug look up you, vast d it's even, a very underappreciated don't, don't trial. even you're like oh my gosh you know low what that side was. effects huge efficacy Come comparable on. to ect without the ect see patrick's gunning for me and i don't like it yeah well 
Gun for what? Just you're, whatever. I don't know. The, I mean, he tried to school is me. Is he going to take your place in the podcast? He had this little like look in his eye like, ah, I bet she's not going to about this trial. <laughs> and I was like, bam. <laughs> I already knew about it, son. Sit down. <laughs> well, yeah, that was a classic. I can't believe you didn't see it coming. Oh, when I said, we're not going to talk about that. You took the bait. Oh, man. Because you imagine like if you need to come up with a trial name, you're like, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just play off of Stardy since that was so important. <laughs> okay, we'll but that's Vasty. like a great point. They said... I remember they said like uh, there's some line point. thank you someone commenting on it said a spiritual successor to Stardy I'm like you fell for it <laughs> this is not <laughs> so the reason we're going to emphasize schizophrenia or at least I think part of the reason is because it gives a good there's positive negative symptoms it's going to give a right. good overview of what you can do with antipsychotics even though they can be used for other things like Mike said depression bipolar um, augmentation strategies for various things. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go, Cole. Thank you. That's yeah, why I have nice. Cole around to, to bring, bring it, it back all in. in. Yeah, to bring yeah, it back to uh, baseline. Okay. Wow. Very nice. Yeah. So <laughs> bring uh, it back to baseline. Um, basically, with schizophrenia, um, there's multiple types of you know symptoms that they can be, um, be presenting with. So delusions would be one. So right. um, basically, erroneous beliefs. Um, they would have misinterpretations of reality. And even Mm. when presented with evidence that kind of refutes their erroneous beliefs, they still won't accept the reality necessarily. Um, There's also hallucinations, which can be either visual, they can be auditory, um, and again, sort of have like, um, I guess they technically can involve any sensory system, but typically auditory or visual. Yeah, I think tactile is super uncommon. Yeah. But... Pretty much everything else. Um, disorganized speech. So, um, you know, it could be basically just this incoherent, um, you know, just talk is not making any sense as far as their their thoughts coming together. Um, so our podcast all the time. Yeah, basically. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, it can be like just overall disorganized behavior. Um, and then you really can kind of get into it where we have negative and positive um, symptoms where they kind of break it down into both of those. So positive being like the hallucinations, the delusions, mm-hmm. um, potential paranoia, things like that. Um, whereas the negative uh, side effects would be like an absence of something that should be there. So it could be like um, social withdrawal. It could be uh, like uh, poor, like rapport with friends or family. It could be um, lack of hygiene. It can be things like that. Um, lack of like logical conversations, um, several different uh, ways that this can kind of show itself. And then there's also cognitive as well, where um, they're just having impaired attention, um, potentially impaired working memory, things like that. Yeah, positive symptoms are what are most often associated with schizophrenia and psychosis, mostly because they're more, I would think, more apparent. And then in TV and stuff, that's usually what they are um, presenting. But yeah, the negative symptoms are, like Mike said, those things that might be a little uh, harder to to see or to notice, but uh, just as important. And the drugs we're going to talk about have more effects on one or the other. And so kind of uh, would drive treatment. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you want to talk about the four phases, Cole? Yeah, so there's four different phases of schizophrenia, uh, prodromal, acute, stabilization, and then a stable phase. Uh, prodromal would be the gradual development of symptoms. This is the um, early on. Uh, they may go unnoticed until a major symptom occurs. Um, some of these might be isolation, deterioration of hygiene. We talked about some of this stuff, loss of interest in work or school, um, as well as dysphoria. The acute phase, this is like psychosis, full-blown episode of psychotic behavior. Uh, Following that, you have your stabilization phase, 
um, a decrease of those acute symptoms and this phase may last for a while until um, you may get to a stable phase depending on if they're treated or not and in this phase you have a significant uh, reduction in symptoms and symptoms may not even be present um, and that's that's the goal I would say is stable phase especially for treatment. So there's various rating scales that can be used to kind of um, figure out how severe, I guess, the psychosis would, or what kind of symptoms they're having. So there's things like the brief psychiatric rating scale. Um, there's the positive and negative symptom scale. Um, there's also um, uh, various others. We won't go into all of them, but there's several different um, like questionnaire-type rating fields you can use, just like there is for other um, psych disorders. So just like with PHQ-9 with depression, something like that. Um, these are something that are utilized quite often in psych. Yeah, just to get a feel for what kind of symptoms the patient's having and where you want to start treatment. I wonder how accurate these are. And it's also kind of one of those things to, you know, sort of establish a baseline and then judge progress if you're getting, whether or not you're right. getting some some relief from symptoms versus, um, you know, no relief at all, no change. And it's a way of kind of like helping uh, quantify some of this stuff. Do you agree, Patrick? Well, I was kind of thinking, you know, that you, you look like you're like, I ah, no way. No, 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 not at all. I was actually just thinking about like, you know, comparing it to like the, like, um, PHQ nine. Um, I, I was just thinking, you know, PHQ nine is very subjective. It's reported by the patient. You ask them how they're feeling and they tell you. Um, but the PANSS is, uh, the positive and negative symptom scale. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep. Um, and that one is just clinician administered. So I, I would wonder if one or the other would be like overreported, and I can't decide which one it would be because you know, like if a psychiatrist or, or whoever is doing it is is looking for a positive diagnosis, and mm. like, I think you're schizophrenic. So, well, I, I guess know. I mean if they're having, I mean, so technically you're going off of their the person having like two of the symptoms, whether it's hallucinations, delusions, and positive mm -hmm. negative side effects. They're having two two or more of those um, for a month straight i think is the diagnosis for it right. so um i think as long as the same clinician is kind of using the same pnss um and it, i guess the subjective part of it would kind of be the same all around since he's yeah. using that for his own baseline it would be my thought process That's right. fair. but That's i fair. guess the, if they're pulling that out then they have a suspicion and so there could be confirmation bias but yeah, yeah, I guess they're they're pulling it out for a reason. So. I don't mean to like imply that there is. I'm just, oh, no. I'm yeah, just curious. Interesting to think about. It's all good. We're talking. It's all, <laughs> no one's judging. We're just well, this chatting. is on record. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is it though? You believe me, we've said much worse. <laughs> At my PGY2 psych interview, they're going to pull out this audio clip and say like, weird, you think that people with schizophrenia are overdiagnosed? Uh, so I can't I wait to tell I them. Say that. say yeah, that. Have you seen this man? Picture <laughs> <laughs> at your interview. That's right. We don't give last names on this podcast. <laughs> I said his name as soon as he got the first cool. thing out of my mouth. Great. Yeah, he said doctor. It's key. K-E-Y. <laughs> oh, Tell him I adjust too. Great. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome for that. Um, so, yeah, some of the treatment options that we have, because again, we said antipsychotics. Um, we have our oldest agents, our first generation, or our typical antipsychotics. Oh, can I tell a story real quick? Sure, go for it. So, you know, some of the first generations, um, I'm thinking of thioridazine, right? Mm -hmm. um, or chlorpromazine. They were initially actually designed to be anesthetic agents. And when they tested them in people with psychosis, they were like immensely calmed. So this is almost like a serendipitous discovery. I, I always find that like fascinating and it kind of shows like why we didn't necessarily design them with side effects in mind. Uh, it's kind of an accident. 
Well, I mean, I'm sure that, I mean, think of, think about psych wards now and the yeah. pressure that nurses are under with medication. Imagine for sure hundred years ago when we didn't have these medications and then they found something that worked. I mean, they didn't care about side effects. They're like, the patients are calm. Let's give them oh, this stuff, you know? That's fair. Because like, what did we do before? A lobotomy? Yeah, like, right, exactly. And yeah. they got like, what? Like, like serious awards for the guy who came up with a lobotomy. I think yeah. he got a Nobel Peace Prize. I'm oh. going to plug this Stuff You Should Know episode on um, Stuff You Should Know as a podcast mm-hmm. on lobotomy. It's fascinating and very sad. I mean, the guy was basically like, he basically murdered like a lot of people. Well, he experimented on people. He experimented right? like on he people. He learned the method through trial and error. There was one, I don't know if this Awful. was that guy, but there was one kid who, it was a 13-year-old kid who got a lobotomy. And the reason he did, I'm pretty sure his, it was his mom or his stepmom said that he was too active at night. Oh my and that gosh. was like the reason. And because of that, he got a lobotomy. And let's not forget, this is like a periorbital or intra, or however you call it, they go in through the eye socket. Yeah, like literally stabbing through. It's and awful. Yeah, it's. So these are definitely a good alternative. Yes, these are way as better. Bad as they are. Way better than lobotomies. <laughs> I mean, we'll keep it in our back pocket. Sure. <laughs> right. Well, that's a great point. Um, but yeah, I hear you. Definitely, uh, it's it's interesting. Like some, there's, I feel like there's a lot of things that they kind of find out by accident. And they're like, oh shoot, these work. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like I'm dragging you all so far off track. But do you want to talk about these work before we talk about the glasses? Yeah. Sure. So I mean, we're, so we're talking about dopamine antagonism, right? Mm-hmm. So we're kind of inducing. I mean, <laughs> this is how I say it. We kind of induce Parkinsonism, right? Yeah. Um. So we're antagonizing D, especially. Um, not especially, but you know, significantly D two. Mm-hmm. Um. And how tightly we're binding to the dopamine receptor it depends on how tightly we're going to see efficacy and out efficacy and outcomes <laughs> efficacy and safety issues um so you know like with great power comes great responsibility with with any other drug so we're looking Hashtag at spider-man yeah i made that up thank you so much <laughs> spider-man made that up i well, saw the movie i made it up for drugs so okay well. <laughs> i probably didn't <laughs> um, uh so sorry please go Busy. ahead marvel sue patrick again that's k-e-y what <laughs> right. they don't does they're not doing Spider-Man anymore, are they? Oh, the Fox owns. It's yeah. questionable. Fo- yeah, but they used them in the Avengers, so yeah. I feel like now that there's. A, I think there's talk. Sony the, owns. Uh, Sony. One of them owns. Sony. No, Sony and Disney agreed. I thought. I don't. I don't trust it. Okay, me neither. Yeah. But, yeah. Apparently, see, they did Disney's Star coming Wars? out with like Wrecked a s- streaming service. <laughs> Finally, they're gonna have like two new what Star Wars TV shows. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna have Ducktales, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. It's like uh, seven service. bucks a month. Yeah. Seven. Seven. Mm. That's cheaper than Netflix, but no. you also get like two and shows. You also get shows that suck. So, yeah. okay, fair you enough. get all the Marvel movies. You get every well, movie ever made. Practically, yeah, well, <laughs> sure, Mike already has that them. argument. <laughs> so that's a terrible argument. Next. Um. Anyway, antipsychotics. <clears throat> right. So. <laughs> oh, so you were talking about dopamine. Go ahead. Uh, oh, right. You're on the right um, track. I like it. So when we're antagonizing dopamine, right? Um. I've heard people say that antipsychotics are like exactly like I've heard this in an actual lecture that I watched uh, on YouTube. It was someone said antipsychotics are exactly that they antagonize psychosis, but that's not necessarily true. It it, it antagonizes like wakeful and excited thoughts. Um, there was this really neato trial where they uh, used antipsychotics in people without psychosis, and they reported just feeling like slow, sluggish. Like it, one of them described it as it was such a cool quote. It was like, um, I feel like I'm. I'm not fully here and it's hard for me to put it into words. It's like, so whenever we're like using these antipsychotics, we have to remember we're kind of giving someone, I mean, I say, I say that like, I don't want to phrase it like that, but we are causing someone to have like a, a different personality essentially. Yeah. No, I mean, when I did my psych rotation, that's exactly what I saw. So if somebody had bipolar, they were kind of manic and you're mm-hmm. giving them Seroquel or something yeah. and they come back down to like 
you know, whatever you'd call baseline, it's, it's, I mean, there's, they're completely different. It's almost like a different human being with a much flatter affect and they're just right. much slower. And it's almost kind of, it's almost sad in a way, but in another way, you know, that they're better for it. But I mean, it, it is, it, you're completely changed their personality. Yeah. So like with something that's schizoaffective, like, um, like I think you're mentioning like bipolar with a uh, psychosis regardless of mood, right? So like you have these like, um, psychotic episodes and when you treat them, you, you get someone kind of, and, and I want to say this like metaphorically, but like down from Mars, like I, like you, like I, I also did one of those psych rotations at the same school. So, um, I imagine our experiences were similar. We, I mean, I had a patient telling me that she was getting like signals from Mars. Right. And it was very hard to talk to her because sometimes Mars would talk to me instead, but literally two days later after she takes her lithium and gets down from that manic state, I mean, like you said, that that like dopamine out of control state all of a sudden she's like why am i here and it's like com- talking to a completely different person yep um so when we do that as well we have to remember that dopamine doesn't only act in the brain it also acts in uh pretty much everywhere in your body and these um antipsychotics are not exactly selective um that was the idea of this new one that's coming out lumetaparone but they actually withdrew their fda application which is suspicious Um, I I think that they had not what you want. No, they had amazing data in schizophrenia, pretty poor data in bipolar. And they decided to withdraw their application because, because their medicine wasn't better than placebo. I don't know what's going on there. I used to be a huge fan. Anyway, um, when you're antagonizing, (laughs) when you're antagonizing dopamine, um, you also get these unintentional effects. Um, do you all want to talk about those? I feel like I'm monologuing. No, yeah, keep monologuing. going. You know a lot more about this than, than we do. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> it's just an interest Challenge I have. accepted. Uh, maybe next year. Um, but, you know, there's like, I hear people say a lot um, that there's three main symptoms of like antipsychotic use, right? So um, we call these like EPS or extrapyramidal symptoms, talking about like the extrapyramidal um, pathway of your nerves. Um, we have... Uh, the three that I always hear are akathisia, which is feeling like you're completely restless, like you got, um, like someone called it like bumblebees in your stomach, like you just can't sit still. Um, and then there's uh, dystonia, which you'll see very soon. If someone's going to have a dystonic reaction, it'll probably be within hours of the administration of the first dose. Um, and that's where your muscles tense so much that you can undo them. And usually, it's usually it's really easy to reversible mm-hmm. with like like diphenhydramine yeah um, antihistamines yeah antihistamines right (laughs) that's a much better way to say it anticholinergics um and then three um is the tardive dyskinesia or tardive dyskinesia as a lot hear people call it as well um and that is where you know like the most salient um symptom is definitely the looking like you're chewing all the time when you're not um and it's really like more of a tick than anything Mm -hmm. else the fourth one that people don't mention is um I believe it's called akinesia or dyskinesia. And that's just where it's actually the opposite of a lot of the other symptoms where you're having these involuntary movements and it's actually a lack of voluntary movement. And I feel like um, we see that much more with people having these slowed gates or what they call, um, I call it clockwork rigidity because I think it sounds cool, but I think it's actually called cogwheel rigidity where like it's almost like you can't uh, have a smooth motion. And I think that, you know, some people would call that dystonia, but it could always be like a form of akinesia. Right. Symptoms mimicking Parkinsonism. Yeah, that's right. a great point. Yeah. That's right. Um, so what kind of classes do we have? 
Well, so kind of going piggybacking off that a little bit. So you mentioned the their affinity for D2 receptors. So they also um, can bind to uh, muscarinic receptors. So they have anticholinergic properties. They can um, bind to histamine receptors as well as uh, alpha androgenic receptors as well. Yeah, that's um, something. That's a great point. So many people have a drop in blood pressure when they started mm-hmm, these, and yeah. I think it's never anticipated. Or not never, but never by like trainees, I guess. Yeah. Well, and and you mentioned like the potency for their, or you know their their affinity for D two. So as oh, right. that affinity goes up, so high potency um, first generation antipsychotics are going to have less uh, interaction with those other receptors. Mm-hmm. So it's the low potency, like our chlorpromazine, or um, something like that, that's going to have more instances of anticholinergic side effects, uh, fatigue, um, orthostasis, um, then, and we're not going to see as much EPS, whereas something that's more of a higher potency, like haloperidol, we would expect more EPS, but not as much of the other uh, adverse effects that we get from the other receptors that we're binding to. Right. So we have an inverse relationship there. And it makes sense because if you are having EPS type symptoms, you treat it with an anticholinergic. So if you have a drug that has more anticholinergic activity, obviously you're going to have less EPS type symptoms. Uh, but yeah, as far as what um, you're talking about, the classes. So he, first generation, um, also called typical. Um, there's phenothiazines, uh, there's haloperidol, and there's a couple others. Phenothiazines, they all end in zine. Um, chlorpromazine has been mentioned, theoridazine, also flufinazine, mesoridazine, perfinazine, and trifluoperazine. Uh, then you have haldol uh, and others would be loxapine and theothixine. And those are the primary ones. Um, as far as how what their side effect profile, um, it varies. Um, for instance, flufinazine and haldol would have high instances of EPS-type symptoms, whereas something like theoridazine might be a little bit lower than them. Uh, but it does vary between them. So you would want to take that into account when you're, if you have a patient with history of those or just in general when you're starting one. So um, some other things that can happen, um, rarely, but it can uh, occur, neuroleptic malignant syndrome. Um, yeah. The uh, weight gain can be associated with them. Uh, it seems to be like the low-potency agents seem to have a higher risk for weight gain. Could have some sexual dysfunction, QT prolongation. All that fun stuff. That makes sense because when we talk about the second generation ones, they have mm-hmm. much more metabolic side effects right. and they're lower, I guess, they have lower EPS type symptoms, but more metabolic. So one of the things, you know, that like Patrick was saying, EPS became a huge concern. So when they started kind of looking at other alternatives, they and they eventually came out with the second generation mm-hmm. um, antipsychotics or atypical antipsychotics. Um, one of the things that they kind of looked for was not um, not just a reduction necessarily, like in the antagonism of D two, but um, mm-hmm. like the uh, they would it would bind to it, but for a short period of time, and then allow dopamine to bind again. And they also uh, um, targeted serotonin receptors as well. And right, yeah. See, these are much more common in uh, seeing like serotonin syndrome mm-hmm. um, than the first gens. And I, I kind of wanted to mention off the back of NMS um, or neuro, neuroleptic malignant syndrome, um, it's, you would think that those classes would have like higher cross-reactivity with each other, um, especially even with the first versus second. But um, as far as I can tell from everything I've looked at, as far as like, you know, stuff on PubMed, it's all, if you have NMS, you have a 50% chance to get it when you try another antipsychotic. It's like, uh, and I, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but, um, but there's no predicting. There's no predicting based on the class. That's that's right. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. It's really scary. Yeah, it's fascinating. 
So I guess let's talk first about the very first atypical or second generation antipsychotic that they came up with. Clozaril. Clozapine. All right. So you've had some experience with this, right, Patrick? Um, I've had unintentional experience with it. It wasn't on my psych rotation. Um, I've had it on my internal medicine rotation a lot. Um, I've had to learn about the risks and, you know, like what we're monitoring for and all that. Um, so number one is I actually, just before coming over here, I decided to make sure that I knew what I was talking about with clozapine and, and, or clozapine. I, I don't know how to say it. Um, I say clozapine. I don't know. We'll, I pronounce we'll it. agree on clozapine. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, you know, there's, there's a REMS program with it, right? So mm -hmm. there's one very serious risk that I think of, which is uh, agranulocytosis, just mass destruction of your white blood cells. And you're open up to tons of issues, including like infection and just becoming like autoimmune deficient and all that. Um, but I, uh, when I was looking at this new meta-analysis from last year, I think I've seen so much more clozapine because um, when it was compared to every other like antipsychotic in the second gen, long-term mortality is not changed. It's just um, like that initial, I don't know the name of it, but that initial trial that showed that clozapine had like, uh, I think it was like 60 per 100,000 deaths um, or 100,000 patients were going to get, uh, like literally die within a year. Um, from neutropenia specifically? Um, it was from like neutropenia related uh, complications, I believe. I, d I don't think the neutropenia kills you if I remember correctly, but I, I could easily be wrong on that. Um, my point is, recently it's been shown that clozapine actually probably doesn't, if you're doing it right and watching it closely, it probably doesn't have an increased mortality risk. Um, you know, usually in these trials, unfortunately, um, gosh, I was just reading one on like benzos and PTSD, and they don't count suicide as a mortality risk. Um, it's just counted as an adverse event, hmm. which I think is bizarre because the patient dies. Um, so, so I'm not sure if we're like in accounting for like every death there. Yeah. Well, so as far as the monitoring goes, cause we've obviously gotten, we have pretty strict guidelines as far as monitoring yeah. the absolute neutrophil count. Um, right. so typically you're going to have to get, you know, you're going to have to draw an ANC, um, weekly from the time you initiate, um, clozapine uh, through this first six months mm -hmm. then you can go to every two weeks from six months to 12 months and then you can go to monthly after that so uh, the risk obviously goes down over time once you've realized that they're they're going to be kind of stable um and then once now that's if you're if your um, neutrophils are in normal range if your anc rather is in normal range so greater than 1500 um per microliters so if it starts to dwindle like and go below that so mild neutropenia would be like 100 to 1499 um, then you would have to draw, you know, an ANC um, three times weekly until your ANC goes back above 1500. Hmm. And so there's a whole like list of guidelines kind of to follow when you're titrating the drug up and, and how often you have to draw um, these labs to monitor for this. Yeah, it what, seems like even if, if there wasn't increased mortality over time, if you had this close monitoring, mm -hmm. it's still a pain in the butt to monitor. Yeah, I mean, your your wife was talking downstairs about how many patients realistically get those, even the monthly checks. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's very high. And well, in the REMS program is so much easier than it used to be. Like as far as the website's oh, really? a lot better. Cause I remember when I first got licensed, um, th there was just a lot more hassle to deal with the, the website that you had to go to. Now you can go in there and you just get like a big green thumbs up if their labs are up to date. Okay. But even then though, like <laughs> it, it's still kind of hard because if you're you know, like a dispensing pharmacy, you don't necessarily, 
know for sure. I mean, you'll see the date, and if the date's not up right. to date, you might still say you're good to go, but are you really, or they just haven't updated it yet? So I don't know. It's it's still there's still some some retail pharmacies that aren't huge fans of dispensing it. So you know, clozapine is so annoying to monitor, and it seems like you know it's only like a, a you know third or fourth or fifth line option. So so what's the advantage with clozapine? You asking me? I'm asking you. So I mean, because I'm pretty sure it's in your presentation. Oh, is it? I don't know. I didn't I didn't read it. <laughs> I, don't but have I a assume it is. What are you there's, about? there's one big plus with clozapine versus so others. So the only the thing that I always think of when I think of clozapine is it's actually. Um, approved for um, suicidal thinking in patients that have schizophrenia. Well, that's true. Yeah. Is that not the big the, one you were thinking? Not the big one I was thinking of. That is a huge one. The only one, like, that's not the only one, um, but one of the few that's really approved to reduce suicidality. Um, I was actually thinking of the incredibly low risk of EPS. Yeah. Almost none. Almost no risk of EPS. Yeah. Um, however, uh, dyslipidemia and diabetes, I believe, are different scenarios. We'll talk about that one, man. <laughs> we can talk about metabolic. Trying to call him out now. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm just, just just giving him I'm, a sample. I, I can't have Patrick I'm getting too cocky. Not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying it has one, two benefits. Uh huh. Okay. And it works pretty well. <laughs> it, it works well too. Patrick, I miss having you around, man. All right. Okay. I do. Okay. Oh man. Don't get clingy on your podcast. Listen. Okay. Trying to, okay, you know what? Never mind. Okay. Never coming back. My, my can't show his mushy side on the podcast. Don't you, don't you ever say that again? I'm calling, uh, I'm calling your preceptors tomorrow. Yeah, good luck. So yeah, low risk of EPS, but does have weight gain issues uh, as well as sedation like most of these. Um, concerns for orthostatic hypotension and um, increased risk for seizures. So you would want to start with a low dose um, and uh, go slow as you increase. So uh, let's get into some of the newer agents. Let's do it. Yeah, please. Let's jump into, uh, you know what, let's just start off with a bang, because I know what? Patrick will be happy. <laughs> Why would we start off with the best one? Let's just start off with Air Pipperzol. So I know that I know that this is like a joke at this point. When I was on Mike's rotation, I talked, I mean, anytime we encountered an antipsychotic, I would say, why aren't we using Air Pipperzol? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because Air Pipperzol is such a well-tolerated drug. Its, its efficacy is not quite as high as something like olanzapine, but it also doesn't cause diabetes like olanzapine. So I, Why are you I, saying it that way? Because I said it that way the first time. Um, but I actually like was able to you know, change the minds of actually um, a few of the attending psychiatrists on my psychiatry rotation uh, last month where their favorite was risperidone. And I said, wow, yeah, I don't get me wrong. I love gynecomastid too. <laughs> said, what? You seem like a guy that likes yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, I do too. I like it as much as the next guy. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't say it that way, but I did say, like, are we not concerned for, you know, gynecomastid? Because, uh, um, you know, I don't want to bleed into risperidone, but we can talk about it later. Um, Iropiprazole's only main side effect is agathesia, which is something that you'll see within a few days. Um, it's not generally something, <laughs> at least in my experience or what I've read, that it's, uh, you won't see it like two years down the line or something. Um, air pepperzole is like so well tolerated that, um, it actually on like the, the Canadian psychiatry association has this really neat graph and it only has one minus sign, um, compared to the other psych, psych drugs, um, for, uh, akathisia. And then for everything else, there's just nothing. It's really neat. And it has a long acting, uh, depot injectable available now. Um, what is that? Um, men, mentena? Yeah, mentena. mentena. Yeah. And then, it's, um, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's also the one that has the uh, the smart pill. You can check for adherence, right? The smart. So the smart pill, it, 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 in theory, it works. But we're assuming, we're assuming that the patient is like 
again, like taking it the way it's supposed to be. It, it's cool. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll admit it. Yeah, but, go ahead, Patrick. Like, Let's ruin the smart pill for everyone. Go ahead. <laughs> so they can't monitor that. They can't monitor when they took it. Right. According to they, Patrick. Okay. Just shows if they Cole, took it. Cole's catching on. They can check if they took it mm. or, okay. <laughs> I was just saying. It, it's good for testing to see if it was taken. Um, however, it's not something like, you know. So they not, could take 30 at once and then that, that looks well, the same as if, other than the fact that they might not be alive. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. You wouldn't be allowed after 30, most likely. I didn't mean to, most like, likely. get on a soapbox about the smart pill. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. I think we'll it's just, fine. Yeah, no, we'll just keep using regular tablets. I like, think it's fine. It's just not a miracle. Why don't we just do lobotomies while we're at it? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Taking a pill is the same as getting your brain. Patrick is so negative. <laughs> I didn't say any of this. Can't believe he's a resident. Okay. <laughs> Whoever encourages this yeah. guy to do residency is. Just wait till next year. <laughs> I can't wait till I apply to the same residency. Okay. I should be strangled. Just, since there's one okay. spot. I'm going to go ahead and apply and, just, and, then, and then turn it down just to prove a point. They're going to say, where did you do your PGY-1? I was like, don't worry about that. BCPS, son. They'll be like, wow, that's sick. <laughs> when can you start? Like, I'm like, Patrick, I didn't have to do one to get a BCPS. Uh, that's BCPS. so impressive. Please come aboard. Oh, man. What if they said that? That'd be hilarious. That would be crazy. <laughs> I would feel bad about asking, about telling you that I'm applying. Oh, man. Let's let's talk about Air Piprazole's much better, newer, older brother. Uh, or younger brother, um, Bex Ex- Extremely expensive for no reason, older brother, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, Just yeah, a far yeah. superior Bex yeah, Right. <laughs> so there's no data about Bex or Exalti being better, but the entire rotation, just because I was so sick and tired of hearing Patrick you know, you, talk you about actually, Eric Piprazole. I just started constantly nonstop talking about Bex <laughs> You actually, like, while I was on your rotation, I remember you actually convinced me that Bex had better data. And, yeah. I was, and I was like, I don't know where I read that, but I think it's true. <laughs> just because you said it so much. I'm so confident. Yeah. You would say, oh, no, 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 Brex no. is better. And yeah. then just like, you would like walk away after saying that. Yeah, like, it's, I'm your preceptor. Don't, don't you dare question me. There's no discussion. How many it's psych patients did y'all have on, on uh, your, do you see a lot of psych patients? It's not exactly, it's just people who were on, on them. chronic well, antipsychotics. Yeah. Yeah. So we do actually have, um, we have two psychiatrists now in our clinic. We just hired a second mm. one. And so we have two oh, psychiatrists. Really? So yeah, we're going to be seeing a lot more. So the psychiatrists more. give them diabetes and then you treat the diabetes oh yeah it's, or, it's a money well, maker yeah like, honestly it's a it's a win-win for everyone <laughs> except the patient <laughs> except they don't have psychosis an anymore it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting business model for sure yeah, no yeah, um interesting. so no we've been uh i've been working with him a lot more ever since i kind of proved myself a little bit that's then, right uh, but you so, actually did though so it's been fun i actually very much like psych now um even though i am not like obviously formally trained or anything but i can do some basic that's one of my favorite rotations yeah, it's it's super interesting. Which which one? Psych. Oh, the one without Mike. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No. No, I was his favorite, obviously. Both you guys were well, on rotational main. They Look didn't at you now. They didn't offer me a co-host spot boys. on the Psych podcast. That's at, fair. Uh, at IOP, so. The IOP. That's a good point. Psych podcast. They should have one. If I was running IOP, I would have one. The IOPPP. If I was if I was running that place, they would have not only a podcast, but they would be like nationally known for it and be getting prizes and. Well, we would. Right. Okay. Is that what would be happening? Yeah. If if me and Cole, who are a bunch of nobodies, can get two hundred thousand downloads this wow. year, oh um, my gosh, he's flexing I'm on his pretty, listeners I'm again. I'm pretty sure Listen, that we can every do it episode. Can. He has to say two hundred thousand. Oh. Usually, usually we save it for the end. This time we're throwing it in right. Notice in how Patrick <laughs> knows that I say that every episode because he listens religiously. Oh my gosh. Okay. He's the biggest fan. He's got the All t-shirts. Right. <laughs> I haven't, I'll admit I haven't listened to the last, I think three, mm. just because this month has been a little rough. Uh. <laughs> but um, 
I'll get back into the into the mix. Yeah, you better. I okay. can't wait to delete this episode. <laughs> I feel like what I said was a nice thing to say. Nope, it wasn't. <laughs> All right, let's talk about your new favorite drug, astenapine. Um, so we actually discussed this before right. um, starting the podcast sure because did. I was considering doing my topic discussion on. I saw that they were going to release their data on October 11th, mm-hmm. and I was so excited. And I even like t- told my preceptor. Um, I asked our psych specialist, and I said, "Will you be my preceptor for my journal club? I'm going to do it on transdermal astenapine." Um, they were like, okay, yeah, sure. And then I was like, great, thank you so much. <laughs> and, wow, um, my God, I feel like I was there. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it was just like a little, it was like a quick email and they're like, yeah, it sounds great. And I didn't read the press release closely. Mm. I saw a date it was being released. It's actually a poster, not a trial, not a publication. Um, so I couldn't use it in my journal. But it is FDA approved. It is FDA yeah. So they did a press release for a poster? How do they FDA approve a drug based on post? Well, there was a trial that was done, right? So I'm they just haven't released the correct. data from it. Yes. Correct. So, so FDA's seen it, we just haven't FDA's seen it. Seen it. I mean they even FDA's like FDA's eye only eyes only. I mean they, they have like um I'll email. I, I think that on their website they just say like significantly positive results for a centipede. I'm like, okay, cool. What does that mean? Great. You know. Like Mike said, you know, what's the problem with a transdermal antipsychotic? You rip it right off and throw it in the trash. That's right. That's right. Just like any other patch. Patches in the way. Yeah. I was actually, it's funny because I was actually thinking like, um, you know, with uh, most of these psych trials, one of the inclusion criteria is stable um, schizophrenia. So these are people who haven't had an acute psychotic episode or a psych hospitalization in the last um, six months to one year, depending on what um, trial you're looking at. And, you know, I couldn't read it on their poster, but um, I imagine it would be similar so I, I would hope these aren't the patients who would just be like, actually, I don't need to take this. <laughs> you just take it right off and it stops working. That's as far right. as technology goes, it seems like it'd be pretty easy. If we can't make a pill that tells you when you took it, I bet we no, can No, we make, did that already. Patrick just doesn't like it. Oh my I gosh. bet we can make a patch that tells you when it's taken off or if it's taken off, right? We definitely can. It's just expensive. You know, yeah. it's kind of like it, you know, well, that, so is um, this patch probably. I mean, if we're talking a thousand dollars, how much more is a hundred dollars? Right. Know, Thank fair. you, Patrick. Jeez. Oh, my God. You don't care about patient safety, I, just, I guess. I'm having discussion. Oh. Um, uh, so, yeah. Uh, so Acenapine. What's your thoughts on that one? I think it's fine. Is it that, better than others? I never see it used. Yeah. I haven't either. No. Um, not, not saying it's bad. I mean, it does have a high risk of uh, orthostasis and sedation compared to others, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, yeah. less less metabolic effects, less EPS. Mm-hmm. But mm. what about Raylar? How often are you seeing that now? <laughs> Isn't that what Cariprazine? Carip- mm-hmm. That is correct. That's commercials for. I've talked to a lot of psychiatrists about potentially starting that, but every single time they convince themselves not to. It's it's just new. But I mean, and I don't know enough about it. And this is specifically for bipolar, be, so this wouldn't be for schizophrenia. I personally don't know a lot about it, to be honest. There was something I remember seeing. There was something in 2017 that came out about that. Let me pull this up real quick. It has the standard adverse effects as far as Parkinsonism, orthostatic hypertension, um, sedation, but it's specifically type 1 bipolar is what it's approved for. Yeah. And it, it does have indication for schizophrenia, you said, or it does not? Because it's... Pr- oh, yeah. Treat schizophrenia, too. Yeah, yeah. okay. And type, and type 1 bipolar. Mixed episodes is a hard approval to get. That, that must be something, though. Well, Vrelar may look easy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they have good commercials. That's they do. Right. They do have good That's commercials. That's how the FDA approved it. Um, I'm going to find this trial real quick. It's going to drive me crazy. What? Uh, go ahead with the next one, Cole. The next one is uh, FNAPT. 
iloperidone. Yeah. What's so special about iloperidone? Um, where does that come from? You like, tell me, Spen. I'm, you I'm tell quizzing me, you. I'm quizzing you. Chemically, where does it come from? Oh, my gosh. Well, it comes from, I don't know. Listen, we can't make the host sound bad on his own podcast. No, you know what? This is war. Okay. <laughs> go ahead, Patrick. Tell us what it is so I can destroy you later. Well, actually, I'm starting to doubt myself. <laughs> yeah, no, um, go ahead. Tell us I'm, all about it. I'm thinking of there's iloperidone and paliperidone, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so which one is it? Oh, no. Now I'm doubting myself. Wait, paliperidone is the, uh, oh, no. is the major active metabolite of risperidone. Oh, no. Is that what you're So you're looking of? ridiculous right now. What's iloperidone? It's the different... Um, is it the L isomer or the L? Uh, oh my gosh, I'm looking so bad right you now. You are making. Oh I thought gosh. I knew my stuff. People let you do confident. the residency? Uh, not. Uh, uh, <laughs> no. Wow. Again, that's Patrick Key. K E. All right. Uh, look, I spoke without. So if you verifying. see if you see him applying for residency, don't let him in. All right. Look, <laughs> anyone listening is like, man, this guy's shooting 100. 99 is still pretty good. Okay. Uh, well. Okay. If if you're okay with second best, that's fine. Uh, I'm starting we're, to now we're off the brails. Okay, what yeah, are we talking I could, about? I could research, but um, I'm nah. just gonna take this L. Okay. Now you've done enough damage. Thank you. <laughs> so generally, it has lower risk of metabolic uh, EPS and cholinergic symptoms and sedation. So pretty good as far as side effect profile goes. High risk of orthostasis and does have QTC prolongation as well. Yeah, that's one I've actually seen. Where um, we had a patient whose uh, QTC went from like 434 milliseconds to to 498 in one day, and it was wild. Um, so I. I'm afraid of that one just from experience. It's, that's a, such a frustrating thing in uh, retail because there's not really anything at all you can do about like that warning pops up about QT prolongation. It's like, what do I do except for like tell the physician who should be monitoring it anyway? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So the study I was thinking about, the 2017 um, study was uh, brisine um, Raylar. I can't even say that word, geez, um, was compared directly to risperidone and looking at... Um, its efficacy at reducing negative symptoms, mm. and it was um, it was more efficacious than risperidone. Mm. At, so I guess if you have uh, negative symptoms that's not being treated, you could always give Raylar a chance. Okay, that's it's place in therapy as far as my limited knowledge goes. Mm. Latuda, Latuda. So, correct me if I'm wrong, Patrick, but I'm yeah. pretty sure that it has um, antagonism activity at serotonin seven, which is that newer this newly discovered serotonin receptor um, that has been shown that if you are blocking that receptor specifically, you can increase cognitive, um, some of the cognitive effects and things like that from seeing with schizophrenia. So that's a great point. Um, and I know that we're mainly talking about schizophrenia with this uh, antipsychotic talk, but uh, you know, lorazidone actually has a, I mean, I don't think it's technically off label, but I know it's used often mm-hmm. for a uh, borderline personality disorder yeah. um, for that reason, because it increases uh cognitive behavior so well um you know you think of like what is like first line for borderline um personality disorder and it's uh dialectic behavioral therapy and this is kind of the same deal like thinking about um each action and thinking about your words and and like really intentionally doing things i think that this um specific um antagonism would really help with that um unfortunately um from my experience a lot of patients don't get a lot out of this just because of the the meal requirement for it to for it to be fully absorbed yeah it has to be taken with food yeah it's also super expensive talk about the wildest patients like as far as most interesting patients i saw on that rotation were the borderline patients i have to agree wow yeah like 
something like something out of a TV show. Right. It almost is like that, uh, like a cartoon caricature of someone with a psych disorder. Yep. Um, and I, and I really hate saying that I don't want to be like disrespectful to my patients, but you know, like the girl who her boyfriend breaks up with her, she tries to kill herself. Like that's textbook borderline or like, you know, like my mom didn't text me today, so she must hate me. It's, it's like very extremes. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately it's not something like schizophrenia, which is so easily reversed. Um, with no, drugs. It was, it's not at all. Like this, this patient I'm thinking of was on the ward where people usually for like a week to two weeks max, she'd been there for like nine months or something. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyways. Anyway. Moving on. Uh, so we talked about olanzapine a little bit. So Zyprexa, um, very good efficacy, but is the highest risk of metabolic syndrome and diabetes related side effects. Yep. So I'd like to bring up something interesting about olanzapine that I didn't bring up with clozapine um, is uh smoking right so, mm-hmm. so over um last time i checked the stats it was over 60 percent of patients with schizophrenia smoke cigarettes um i don't know the mechanism i don't know why uh, it's more drawn i think it's just the the lack of impulse control i think people with psych disorders in general uh, have been shown to smoke more yeah schizophrenia okay. is uh, does have a huge yeah, percentage right. though um, so, so what i'm it, saying is probably like probably a dopamine release thing i would imagine i i would imagine too that's my like theory but i don't know um what I'm saying is like there's that one A2 inhibition, right? Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, olanzapine requires um, is, uh, cytochrome P1A2, right? Um, so if we're in, antagonizing its metabolism with someone who smokes every day, it, it's interesting because I, when I see people get started on olanzapine in the hospital and they have a nicotine patch on, I think like, what is the point? What are we even doing? We're going to see him in a week, even if he takes it religiously, right? Um, Additionally, about olanzapine that uh, um, is pretty interesting is that uh, I, I don't think I brought this up yet, but when you, if, if any students are listening and you're on a psych rotation and you have a patient that you're starting on an anti- antipsychotic or even like restarting or resuming, you have to look at their albumin level because o- olanzapine is 93% plasma protein bound. Um, it will not work if, if your albumin is, I want to say like below two. Um, and that's true with many, I think, uh, I think aripiprazole is very high. I think most of them are very high except for a centipede, I think is like 75% if I remember correctly. Um, so like anytime you start or restart or resume an antipsychotic, you've got to look at that albumin level. Um, that's probably the best intervention, um, that you can make on a, on a medicine team because people will be getting these antipsychotics and they'll be like, why isn't this working? And you'll have a patient with an albumin of one cause he's just not eating, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Great point. Quetiapine? Yep, Cyclone. So um, low instance of EPS, however, uh, definitely uh, an increased risk of fatigue. It's got a really high affinity for histamine receptors. Um, we'll see this one sometimes to help patients with sleep specifically. Um, Inappropriately. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And uh, Actually, that's like not uncommon at all. Yeah. No, unfortunately. No. I, I see it all the time. Yeah, People coming in with like, years of use of especially with elderly i mean they're elderly mm-hmm. patients who are on it it's fascinating man could be a good option if somebody has parkinson's disease potentially mm. it's got the very low eps i mean obviously air pepper is going to be better according to patrick well I but mean, is there a black box warning in um in parkinson's disease for like psychosis related like mortality or something with antipsychotics or something like that i don't know that's parkinson's dementia i guess that's a little bit different um, yeah, I, I, if I, I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but dementia sounds familiar. I, I know that quetiapine is one of them that is preferred though. I saw this one a lot and I did, I saw multiple patients with like orthostasis issues with this too. 
I always think QT prolongation, though, is yeah. quetiapine. Oh, that, that that's too. funny. Because quetiapine. QT. QT. It's almost nice. Mm. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Nice. I, accidentally, great point. <laughs> well, not really an accident, but that's fine. So anyway, I've been alluding to this the whole time, but I think we have Risperidone next. We do. Um, yes. Risperidone, I find unique because it, uh, from its antagonism, dopamine can um, increase your prolactin secretion and decrease your prolactin clearance and result in hyperprolactinemia, which in women is problematic, but in men it's very apparent um, with the gynecomastia. So um, if you have a patient who's on spironolactone and risperidone and you don't know what's causing gynecomastia, it's probably spironolactone, but it could be risperidone <laughs> as well. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Um, and then uh, it also has a um, intramuscular depot yep. formulation as well. Um, Did we talk about the olanzapine one? No, but it does have one. Yeah, it does have one, that. yeah. Okay. Um, Relpriv, I think. Yeah, sounds Rel-Priv. right. Um, in Vega, so um, pal- paliperidone is the one uh, Patrick was thinking. Stop. I think that's the uh, active metabolite of risperidone. <laughs> um, uh, similar profile to uh, risperidone. So palaparidone injection is really cool. It's a monthly depot injection, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it actually lasts six weeks. So if someone misses their appointment, they're still covered. It's, I think that's a really neat part of that hmm. drug. Don't, don't they have the three-month version too? Um, the Sistena. Sistena I think is a longer one. Three months or two months or one month? I, think I, I thought there's a one-month and a three-month, but... Uh, <laughs> not as good as the formulation part. Um, All right, 98. Unbelievable. 98. You call yourself a future psych resident. <laughs> you should be ashamed. Sure, right? well, this is a pass-fail podcast. I'm yeah. so. technically still a trainee. Patrick's Thank like, you so why much. Why the heck did I do this? Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, Mike, I'll do you a favor and guest star. Thank you. Uh, oh, how dare you. Zaprazidone, <laughs> so Giodon, um, can definitely uh, increase QT prolongation as well. And uh, needs to be taken with a full meal, 500 yeah. calories. Even more, more food. So... Even just more so than Latuda. Um, but yeah, also used as well. So I guess kind of breaking all of it down, um, the few things that kind of think about it is one, the, the metabolic syndrome. So the weight gain, the diabetes potential, the dyslipidemia, um, kind of, you know, which ones have a higher risk of that. If you have patients that already have those comorbidities, um, you have to use caution, um, which ones can prolong QT intervals, which ones have the highest incidence of sedation. Like these are all things you have to take into consideration, especially if the patient does have comorbidities, which a lot of them do. Um, so that's something that uh, you kind of have to be familiar with the side effect profile when you're selecting agents in this case. Um, so aripiprazole would, you know, like Patrick was saying, is, is the low instance of EPS, low instance of metabolic syndrome. Um, it's definitely one of the safer options. Um, but I, I think I should mention, you know, I, I joke about it, but aripiprazole is also, I mean, subjectively, one of the weaker antipsychotics. So like if, if someone has like severe schizophrenia where like, you know, like literally danger to harm to self or others, usually you don't stabilize them on aripiprazole. You'll, you'll try something else first and then convert. Um I just want to make that clear that I'm not saying it's the end-all be-all for every single uh, acute schizophrenic 
for when the residency directors are listening to this episode, right. we'll That's get all, all of <laughs> all of his uh, caveats in there. At Just least he a, took it back. Make a list in the show notes. <laughs> Thanks. Well, they and, and they've uh, when they they did a study that they compared. It was a meta analysis, I believe, that they compared um, olanzapine with um, aripiprazole, quetiapine, risperidone, and zeprazidone. Oh, Lee et al. Um, I, I guess the two thousand from two thousand nine. Yeah. Is that right? Lee et al. Okay. Or, or G et al. I might be misremembering. I think you're that making a, up sounds. That is a great your, meta analysis. So, uh, sorry, please tell me. Well, the <laughs> efficacy, um, there was improvement with olanzapine compared mm-hmm. to those other agents with, uh, in, in regard to positive um, yeah. adverse effects, but not the negative symptoms. So, right. um, I mean, it does, I guess it depends on as, as far as the uh, effectiveness of all being weaker. I don't, I mean, because the, one of the things I wanted to get to was um, there's a, a group um, called, I think I've talked about this before, but the Psychopharmacology Institute is like this group online that they bring uh, MDs from Harvard and a few other ones that they have online um, continuing ed um, based on like difficult psych cases, things like that. One of uh, one of the speakers, um, get his name so I don't butcher this, um, David, Dr. David Oser, he's an associate professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. He is um, involved in something called the Psychopharmacology Algorithm Project. Um, he's the general editor for that project, and so they're putting together algorithms and treatment algorithms based on the newest research. And uh, the algorithm that they have for um, first episode patients um, that you know are being started on antipsychotic, they recommend either ris- uh, risperidone, aripiprazole, or ziprazidone as first line um, and titrating the dose up. Mm. And then uh, they um, also mentioned that uh, the Latuda. Um, Lorazidone may have a potential to replace a prazidone as a first-line agent um, when the next group of studies come out, mm. and um, also to keep in mind bixiprazole and Vralar um, as well. Okay. And they recommend against using quetiapine or lanzapine uh, as a first-line option and, or clozapine. and clozapine as well, and to save those for after treatment failure. Mm. Um, and then if you get an unsatisfactory response um, after trying one of those initial three agents that uh, they consider um, uh, a lanzapine um, or a first-generation antipsychotic if they haven't tried one in the past, and then if that still fails, then consider uh, clozapine as if they failed a second line and a first line, or first generation, I should say, and mm. second generation antihistam- or, um, antipsychotic, and uh, then you would eventually try to do clozapine monotherapy if possible, weaning off the other agent. So I think it's interesting that um, in this algorithm, and, and again, I haven't completely read through it. Um, does he mention ECT in there? Um, you know, ECT, yeah. Yeah, because he's like bizarrely high. So it's at the end, um, unsatisfactory improvement despite clozapine, try adding on risperidone or other antipsychotics, lamotrigine mm. or ECT. Gotcha. Yep. So I kind of say, did you um, go in and watch them do the ECT when you were there? Yeah. It's pretty interesting, huh? I want to, again, I don't want to sound, you know, like a jerk. I want to say it was like disappointingly tame. (laughs) Right. It's very tame. When they tell you that they're going to do a controlled seizure, you expect something wild. I think the deal is like, it wasn't always that way. Really? You know, I mean, just no, back I mean, in the I, day. I don't know the history of it, to I be think honest. they used to use uh, much higher, I don't think they measured in volts, I think they measured in amps, but like much, much more. Uh, and then they realized if they use it strategically, they don't have to use as much. So yeah, I think it used to be much more 
disturbing. I don't, maybe mm. would to, to witness than it than it is now. It's my understanding. Yeah, pretty cool. They uh they really put this like neuromuscular blockade in there, and they only isolate. I mean, at least the one I saw, they isolate the foot to make sure that the seizures, um, you know, like cause. Yeah, they did do. I was tonic on Interesting. Yeah, they did do that. It's crazy. Um, otherwise they just have like the EEG, which is like you know, more accurate. But <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So I guess that's, that's that's just a segue for our last episode on anti-epileptics. Patrick did that on purpose. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we should do one on ECT and the history. We should do one on lobotomies. I don't think we could top that uh, stuff you should know one that I plugged. That's pretty good. We'll destroy them. <laughs> yeah, you can always stop. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's history, then I feel like they have all the facts. Oh, yeah, so does Google. Mix them up, right? <laughs> so does Google, Patrick. I want okay. to be a little more positive. Jeez. You're right, yeah. Okay, Sorry. note to self. Patrick, done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So everyone say goodbye to Patrick. Yeah, it's the last time you'll ever hear him. It's been a pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Second time. That's that yeah. really made sure. I figured you give him a year. There's only a yeah. couple of people who've made it past two showings on the podcast. That's a good mm. point. Patrick's not going to be one of them. All right. Appreciate it. <laughs> just kidding, Patrick. You know I miss you. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it's, it's just not the same. I haven't had anybody to pick on since you've been going <laughs> off my rotation. He said, uh, I remember him vividly going, telling me he's going to in his uh, evaluation for me as a preceptor. He's going to put, um, well, my favorite part of rotation was when my preceptor bullied me. <laughs> yeah, my favorite part was when he told the other student that he was a better student than me in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> when he threatened to come to my house and physically harm me. <sighs> that was Good great. times. Mike Corvino's rotation. Check That's it right. out. Good yeah. times. I know. They keep, they keep asking me back. Yeah. They get, <laughs> he gets students every month. Unbelievable. Yeah, they don't read those evals and you're coming back. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Joke's on them. So uh, what else? Anything else we missed, Patrick? Um, no, I mean, yeah, I know that this is on, you know, like antipsychotic slash schizophrenia. I mean, like you already touched on, you know, they're also using... A variety of psych disorders, you know, like even like OCD and um, treatment resistant depression. I mean, I would always prefer ECT, especially in like suicidal treatment resistant depression. Um, but like, I, I think that the thing that uh, I don't know if we touched on, but every side effect that we've talked about, like, let's remember that these medications are like really serious. Um, you know, much, many of these uh, symptoms that we talked about are reversible or even just go away on their own. But some of them don't. Um, like I, I, like tardive dyskinesia is, is a lifelong thing for many patients. Um, we have some reversal agents around now, like the Ostato um, that we talked about. But um, but I think it's important to just remember that, like whenever you're starting quetiapine for sleep, it's uh, you're Serious definitely medication. giving them a burden. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. We need to do um, another episode and like get into. Uh, like some of the not approved treatment options that they're looking at, like psilocybin and stuff like that. We need to get really deep into that because I know you've done some research. I've on actually that. already done it's magic mushrooms, right? Yeah. All the research that was done until June 2018, I've got it all. Um, very promising, but very, very specific conditions. They're yeah. doing stuff with the VA with that, aren't they? I don't know. Okay. I thought they were. <laughs> Patrick's like, shh. You know what I do know is VA is comparing hydrochlorothiazide to other thiazides right now for like the first time. Is that head. right? Yeah. What? Looking at outcomes wait. or BP lowering? Outcomes. Nice. Can't wait. How long? When's that supposed to be published? I don't published? know. I don't know. I just know it's happening with our patients right now. That would be freaking awesome. The doctor's going to have a seizure when that comes out. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Not that they want, don't want them to have a seizure, but I just finally have some data other than just like the meta-analysis and yeah. stuff. Yeah. To show, like, we don't have any good outcome data comparing. What if to. we're like totally wrong? 
There's no shot. Uh, I think there's, I mean, if we're extrapolating wrong every single time. Well, like we've had good success switching to chlorthalidone in our our clinic. Yeah. We've switched a lot of them to chlorthalidone and get them controlled. So that's totally off topic, but yeah, Yeah. there you go. But Patrick, man, thanks for taking the time out to do this. It's been fun seeing you again, buddy. Of course. Um, we'll, uh, we'll have you back and, uh, we'll do another psych topic. Yeah, we'll see. Mm, maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> never again. I'm going back to my original, my original, uh, verdict. All right. You're banned. Cool. All right. Banned again. <laughs> Reband. Thanks. Great. All right, y'all. Thank you guys so much for listening. Sorry. That was such a long one. Um, and, uh, we got off topic so many times with Patrick's fault. And, uh, if you guys do like the podcast, please subscribe. Um, Make sure you unfollow Patrick on Instagram. Follow us instead. And uh, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to email us. We'll get back to you as quick as we can. Thank you guys so much for the support. Catch you later.